Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Today, I am joined by vocalist-guitarist Wesley Richards of the U.S. grindcore band Choke Me. Choke Me is based out of Los Angeles, California, and released their debut album in 2020. This year, they dropped their latest EP, titled Death Like a Sunset. West belongs to a few separate metal groups, Fortunate Fall, Hated, Kill the Con Man, and branching out of his metal forte, an electronic group called 21 Bricks. Wes, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I really appreciate it, uh, you including me with this. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and you're my first guest who um, I would say is most well-known for his grindcore. So um, I'm hoping you could teach me a little bit about it today. Rad. I'm, I'm honored. I appreciate it. When did grindcore really start uh, taking off as a genre from what you know? You know, I, I think there were a lot of precursors, a lot of bands that kind of led into it. I, I think Napalm Death is kind of considered one of the first, if not the first, grindcore bands. There were a lot of UK bands that kind of followed suit after them too, like Extreme Noise Terror and Carcass, who you know obviously went a little different route with their later albums. Um, and I think it just kind of exploded from there. You know, went everywhere, went like to Sweden with bands like like Nazum, and then you have you know Brutal Truth and Terrorizer from the states, um, Ass Suck from down in Florida. Um, yeah, and then you know I think there was another kind of explosion in the the '90s and 2000s. You had um, you know, a personal favorite of mine is Pig Destroyer and Discordance Axis and Agoraphobic Nosebleed, Cephalic Carnage, Fuck the Facts, Soylent Green. Um, yeah, and then I would, I guess there's a, a third wave, kind of late 2000s with bands like uh, like Wormrod and Magruder Grind, uh, Nails, who I guess is Grindcore, maybe Power Violence. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of kind of how we got to to today. Okay. And you mentioned uh, there were a lot of bands out of the UK. Is that kind of where things started? I think so. Yeah, I think I would, I would imagine Napalm Death is considered, you know, the OGs who kind of kicked it off. Um, and yeah, I, you know, you, you had a couple of bands in, in the States that followed them, but I think that the they, they'd be considered kind of the, the, you know, the fathers of, of Grindcore. Yeah, um, years ago, I actually um, had the pleasure of seeing Napalm Death just the once. I wouldn't even considered it like a grindcore show. I think everybody else on the bill was um, either death metal or some form of other form of metal. Rather, I knew that they were important, but I didn't realize that they were kind of like the grandfathers of the genre. Yeah, yeah, they're a big deal. They're a killer live show too, and and yeah, they're. I mean, most I think most grindcore bands, you're either you know, you're just right there in the middle of grindcore and you don't really deviate too far or you just have, you know, elements of all extreme metal, you know, from death metal to, to thrash and um, everything in between. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that they'd be on a bill with a bunch of other bands because, you know, all these genres kind of bleed into each other a little bit. Well, yeah, and I find that, um, like, as far as fans go, we're, we are quite accepting of different styles of music, so it doesn't necessarily have to be one specific sound the whole way through. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's something I love about metal. I'm, I'm also a huge punk fan and, you know, punk fans don't they're not quite as open with stuff like that. They're pretty, you know, they get their little niche and they want everything to sound like this band that they like. And I feel like metal metal fans are definitely more open to, you know, broadening their horizons and, and trying new stuff. So I, I love that about the metal community. What do you think the reason is for that in the punk community or, or I guess the lack or lack of reasoning? maybe shoot yeah i don't i don't know i have a hard time wrapping my my mind around um the punk scene you know there's like i i, I love you know the older 
hardcore punk that came before me, you know, bands like Minor Threat and Bad Brains, Black Flag. Um, I grew up with, you know, my age group, uh, you know, I was in 11, 12, 13, listening to like uh, Fat Records and Epitaph and Slap a Ham, stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think that there's so many different kinds of punk and they're sometimes very far off of each other and, and have a completely different vibe. You know, a lot of a lot of metal will you know, we'll have kind of a similar feeling to it. It could be a different genre, a different subgenre, but you know, it, I feel like there's, there's a feeling there that's kind of, you know, a little more consistent maybe than there is with punk. Cause trying to compare, you know, like a ska punk band to a hardcore punk band there, that's, that's a pretty different uh, fan base that's going to be into both. And so I, you know, I think there are punk fans out there that listen to it all like, like I do, but I don't know. I mean, if Facebook is any indicator, going into a Facebook punk group is just a dumpster fire of, you know, people fighting about the dumbest things that have nothing to do with music. So I, I, I don't know. I don't, that's probably not a good indicator of what's actually going on in real life, but it does seem like the punk fans are a little more closed minded. And I don't know. It's a shame. I, I'm not too sure why, but it is a, it's definitely, you know, it lacks, it, it, it holds us back for sure. Is it safe to say that there's not as much like experimentation within other genres molding with punk as there is, say, with metal? Yeah, I think that's probably pretty safe. I, you know, yeah, it, you 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 get it both though. You get the gatekeepers in both in both worlds because you get the people that you know, like this band isn't death metal. They have cleans here, or you know, they do this. So you you get you get it in both both arenas. But I, I do feel like the gatekeepers in punk are a little bit more um gatekeepery is that is that a word yeah no it's not a word but it definitely makes sense (laughs) um would you say there's like a common like image associated with somebody who does like listen to grindcore like um what i'm picturing right now and this is just uh, off the top of my head but like back in the i think 70s or early 80s when punk kind of started you had the like the denim vests like the big mohawks with spikes and stuff like that i'm wondering if there's something similar that you can um point at and say well that's the generally a deathcore fan or sorry grindcore fan yeah that's hard um i've been you know i've I've seen grind bands in in a ton of different cities and i feel like different scenes are different um out here in la you get like an awesome mix of people at grind shows you get guys that would look you know like they'd fit in like at a crush show who haven't showered in months um but you also just get you know normal looking uh people who just uh just fans of metal so i I don't know. I feel like one of the appeals for at least for me with grindcore is kind of moving away from that image stuff. You know, there is a lot of metal that is extremely image based. And, um, you know, for a while you had to have long hair and look a certain way. And I I do like, um, you know, the bands that that break that mold and don't feel obligated to look a certain way. I I, in my mind, grindcore doesn't have too much of like a uniform like some of the other um, subs do. But um, that might just be my take on it. You know, I'm sure that there's some people that listen to grindcore and, and like to dress you know, kind of crusty or, or put on, you know, 50 patches on a denim vest and, you know, more, more power to you. That's, that's awesome too. It was just never quite my scene. Mm-hmm. I agree. I've never been able to wear like a battle vest. I just, I like buying the t-shirts and I like just wearing whatever's comfortable. Yeah, me too. I'm the exact same way. Would you say there's like a, a consistent lyrical theme commonly associated with grindcore or is it something that's all over the map kind of like metal is nowadays? Yeah. I, I, I one of the things that definitely drew me to it, um is it's it's pretty unabashedly left i'd say you know it's it's definitely about working class rights about you know fighting with the with and for the marginalized and um i do you know there's definitely bands that do not 
right about that. You know, you've got bands like, um, you know, Seth Putnam and Anal Cunt that obviously do not fit into that category. So it's, I don't think it's limiting. I think some people are all over the place, but I do, I've always been drawn to the bands that um, aren't afraid to, to get political, aren't afraid to, to, you know, put their heart out there in the, in the song and let you know how they feel about something. So I, I, I love that. That's always been the, the grind core that's kind of pulled me in, but you know, there's equal merits to, to bands that aren't necessarily like that. You know, one of my favorite bands on the planet is Pig Destroyer. And that's, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would think that their lyrics are inherently leftist or anything like that. They're just good lyrics about real life and, and real struggles that, you know, just normal people go through. Um, so I, that's, you know, that's, that's it for me. I, uh, you know, I'm a working class dude. I, 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 been fighting my entire life for for working class rights and so that has always been a huge appeal to me yeah, fair enough and it's it's nice that you can perform like on stage and have a lot of people that are like-minded enjoying that music with you it's like it's your outlet but it's also your way of having a voice yeah absolutely and you know there's people out there that don't like that and they they don't hear that in the lyrics and you know it's hard to hear the lyrics anyway um and that that's fine you know like that, that's cool too I, I i like that it's got some some broad appeal and it, it shouldn't just be people of, you know, one thought process, but it, it is cool that, you know, that often people who are, you know, inherently involved in, in activism and, you know, getting together and organizing um, are drawn to grindcore. I, I love that aspect of it. Hmm. That is actually pretty interesting. So with um, like your personal tastes, then are you kind of, would you say you listen more to things that are more like opinion based and like experiential based rather than like, say a, an album that tells a story? No, no, I like it all. Um, I'm, I'm a total music nerd. I listen to everything. Um, you know, I'll get just as much fun from like a George Winston piano album as I will from like, you know, listening to nails on volume 11. So I, um, yeah, so I, 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 uh, kind of lost my train of thought there a little bit. No, that happens to me all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Sorry. <about that. laughs> what was, hold on. What was the, the, the wording of your question again? <laughs> uh, like I said, that happens to me a lot. So I don't quite remember the wording of it. Um, my next lead-in question, though, uh, right. you were talking about your piano. So that means you've been um, like exposed to all different sorts of music. And how long have you been involved with music for? Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough. My my mom played guitar. So when I was a kid, um, you know, she always had one laying around. So I learned how to play acoustic guitar pretty young. And mm-hmm. um, we had this really sweet old lady who lived a few doors down. And my mom signed me up to do piano lessons with her. And that was, you know, life changing for me. I just loved it. Although, to be honest, I would go to her house and she'd mostly have me just clean stuff. But um, <laughs> yeah, she introduced me to, to, you know, kind of thinking of a melody and putting it down on a piano and and you know kind of piecing a song together so um mrs ellington i love you so much uh rest in peace that's pretty cool it's nice that you had someone um like a like more exposure to it like from your mom from this lady um and that's two different ways of looking at how to make music would that make would that make learning the other instrument easier yes a hundred percent yeah absolutely especially with with piano you know you've got a what's the word like dissociate your two hands and that's that's a really hard thing to do and you know it's as you get more technical with guitar that becomes a really important thing to do because you're doing you know just like drastically different things with your left and your right hand mm-hmm. um so I, I don't think i'd be half the guitar player i am if it weren't for uh learning the piano 
Interesting. Have you ever had like any other formal learning, like um, other lessons or um, courses? No, it, it, I haven't. And I'm sure it's a huge limitation. I, I've been lucky enough to play with a lot of really talented drummers. And um, most of them have known, you know, a lot more about theory and, and, and uh, you know, different aspects of music than I do. But, you know, usually if you just kind of stick around with people and, and you know, trust your ears, you can kind of figure it out and, and go from there. So I, I no, I don't. I, I think it, if someone's out there and they're thinking about doing it, you know, why not? Why not go in and just educate yourself as best as you can? I wish I had. I wish I knew more music theory. But at the same time, I do not think it's necessary to to chase after, you know, career and music. I, I think you can approach songwriting and a, approach, you know, putting music together in, in a million different ways. And they're all right. Yeah. And basically, you're making music for yourself, not for everybody else. Exactly right. Yeah. I think like you mentioned that it was kind of like a detriment, but I, I'm not sure that it was like if you're hanging out with a lot of people who do know the theory, if they if they're well involved in music, I think that's going to rub off on you regardless. It's not like you need a formal paid for education. You can learn by proxy. 100 percent. Yeah, definitely agree. One thing I did forget about to ask about Grindcore, um, and this is something I have always wondered and maybe one of the reasons I've never really gotten into it. But why are there such short songs? <laughs> um yeah you know i think i think it was kind of like a gimmick maybe a little bit and it just kind of made sense um when i'm writing it, it's fun to to cut off a song it's fun to just play around with the structure you know doing if you're gonna write 100 songs you can't just do intro verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus outro or you know that kind of stuff so when you start experimenting with um different you know ways of piecing songs together you you definitely can um get away with just doing shorter ideas you know some some songs you want to flesh out into like a three four or five minute songs but sometimes you can kind of get you know it, it you can say what you want to say in a much shorter um shorter uh song span and I, I, it's hard you know it's really hard to to do that to to not want you know you're always motivated when you come up with something you're like this is the best riff i've ever written i've got to play this 20 times in a row so everyone can hear it but at the same time you know i listen to music that's not like that and when you find that like six second segment of a song that's so just melodic and perfect or it's so just brutal and chaotic um i've always loved that so i i i think the the short songs are it's it's almost like a flex a little bit you know it's it's your it, it's i in my opinion it, you know there's probably people out there who think this is total backwards but in my opinion it's a lot harder to say something succinctly than it is to you know ramble on which i'm doing right now so I, uh, yeah, I think that, I think it's um, just a cool little, I, I, a cool little aspect of, of grindcore. And, you know, it comes from punk, I guess, because there's a lot of punk songs that are really slow. And when you're playing at 280, 310 BPM, um, even if you're doing a traditional structure, you're going to get through a song in, in a minute and 15 seconds. So it's almost like just a natural condition of playing at that speed. Oh, fair enough. Also, like just thinking through that, I think some of the challenge and some of the fun, like you said, saying things succinctly. So trying to say a fully fleshed out idea with like half as many words would be kind of fun to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's hard too. you know, it's it's definitely it's a different way of, of doing it. Um, yeah, it's um, it, 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 it can be it can be tough. It can be difficult. So when um, you guys started Choke Me in around 2020 and the Hated is was started around that time, too, which one came first? I was, uh, you know, I was working on both of them for a while. The, the Hated is, 
I try to do both of these projects, both Hated and Choke Me are, are me trying to make something a little more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, the first band, metal band, I really, you know, went after. I, we played out when I was in, in school in Tucson, Arizona, <clears throat> was Fortunate Fall. And um, it was just like I was trying to go ultimate. I was trying to go, you know, fast, brutal, you know, write just really heavy music. And then I started doing some, you know, the Grindcore project, Kill the Con Man, which was the same thing, just like the fastest stuff I could play and the most chaotic music I could write. So with Hated and Choke Me, I was trying to make something a little more approachable, a little more, I'm sorry, accessible. And um, so Hated, I, I, you know, I grew up in, in Texas. I grew up in Houston. So I've, I have a lot of influences from down there that, that can translate really well into, into metal. So I try to, you know, have some kind of Southern, some blues sounds come out with the hated um with choke me i wanted to take kind of that same idea but in the more extreme side so i wanted to write some songs that were you know grindcore and and hardcore punk and hardcore um, but making them you know a little bit easier to get into trying to um you know make some music that maybe if you didn't even know you liked grindcore you might like this band and be like oh i don't even know what what this is what is this and have it lead you, you know, down that that rabbit hole that's so fun to go into. Um, so yeah, they're they're both kind of started with a similar idea, just um a little different approach to to accomplishing it. And what made you choose like uh grindcore as a direction for choke me? I just you know, I just love grindcore. Um enough, I yeah, yeah I, I you know I kind of grew up you know, I love metal, I love punk, um, like the floor like I was all about the Florida death metal bands and um, I like some of the the UK death metal bands like Bull Thrower and Benediction and all that. Um, and, and you know, I, I like the earlier bands. I like Napalm Death, the earlier grindcore bands, um, Nazem, Brutal Truth, Locust, you know, Swirling Green, all those guys. But um, I, I guess, you know, if I'm being honest, it was really, I think, Pig Destroyer that kind of just blew me away. And I, I didn't realize how, you know, I don't know, that's a bad way of putting it, but I just didn't it really resonated with me. Um, everything Scott Hall does, agoraphobic nosebleed as well. Um, got into discordance axis around the same time and they're just so good. I mean, it, it, I can listen, I can put those albums on, you know, every day for the rest of my life and, and be just happy as a clam. So it, it, I'm just, I naturally gravitate towards, towards that. Um, everything I've always listened to, I've always been kind of just like a nerd for fast music. And hmm. so, you know, if you want to just play as fast as you can and listen to music as fast as music can be, then eventually you're going to run into grindcore. In both of your bands, uh, like Choke Me and Hate It, they both deal with like similar uh, lyrical theme or subject matter. So obviously that kind of stuff is important to you, as we've already covered, especially like workers' rights. Um, why do you guys think it's important for you to cover them? Um, you know, I know I'm not doing anything different. I'm not breaking the mold or anything um but i I just want to be genuine in what i talk about it's it's something that i you know am a part of in my my day-to-day i i'm out in la i'm I'm involved in a lot of groups and organizations that um you know help the unhoused and and work with you know people forced to the margins and so i've always you know been naturally drawn to that um a cool thing with with choke me and with hated though i kind of put myself into it a little bit more than i did with some of my earlier projects and talked about myself more, which it, it was hard at first, but it, it's cathartic. You know, I've, I've suffered from depression and, you know, I haven't had the 
yeah, I'm, I'm a very privileged individual, but I still haven't had, you know, the easiest of life. So it is, it's cathartic talking about yourself and, and being open about those things. And I, I just hope someone's going to hear it and be like, wow, that, you know, that, that resonates to me. I, I, I get that, that, that helps me. And when I'm dealing with, with something maybe similar. So I, I guess that's kind of <laughs> egotistical thinking I'm over here, like helping people, but it is, um, I, I do, I do like that thought. I do like the, the thought that someone might you know, hear something I'm talking about and either be exposed to an idea that they don't know or, or uh, hear something that they really do know and feel. And it's just nice to hear it, you know, vocalized. I think I'd have to argue when you said uh, that you were egotistical, because you're talking about things that are relevant and at the forefront of basically what society um, is facing. The people that like this kind of music obviously resonate with the lyrics as well. So I, I don't think it'd be egotistical to think that people would find it like therapeutic or beneficial to them at all. I think it's just another way, uh, another way to express any kind of emotion or get through some good or bad times. Right on. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Another question I was going to ask is about your use of first person lyrics. And I like that you touched on it already. But going through your lyrics in Death Like a Sunset, basically, every single song has like I phrases, I this, I that. Now I looked back on your first album, and only two of the songs include those same phrases, but a lot of them include stuff like me or we. Um, did you consciously shift that to include more I perspective or is that just something that happened naturally? No, yeah, I, I think I, I think I did. I wanted, you know, I it was this is, you know, new for me kind of digging in and, and being more personal. So I did kind of want to want to, you know, come from a, a place, you know, more like. I, I was talking and, and not be afraid to put myself into the song. Um, I, I, a big, you know, ongoing theme in a lot of my music that I write, I, you know, I, I do a lot of metal. I do punk. I do a lot of electronic. Um, I do some indie rock with a friend who lives up in San Francisco. So I do a lot of stuff and um, it's, you know, sometimes when you're, um, um, I'm trying to think of the right way to, to word it. Uh, it, it. It. I always kind of talked a lot about, about like you said, we. Um, mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of community in metal, a lot of community in punk. And I, I think it's really important for people to remember that. A lot of times people come to these genres or come to these shows and think like, oh, I'm going to go in the pit and like punch some guy in the face. And it's it's not <laughs> like that. It's, you know, it's community. It's about us. So I talked about that a lot. But it was a, a, a bit of, you know, it was, it was, it was a learning curve to put myself into the music. And I, with death, like a sunset, it was definitely was something I, I was conscious of. I was aware that I was trying to, to, you know, be a little more open and um, talk a little bit more about, you know, interpersonal things that I, I, I felt disingenuous if I didn't put, you know, the first person pronoun in, I guess. That's a good way of looking at it for sure. I think like it when you talk about stuff that is important to you or something that, that you feel is just important to say, regardless of who it's about, it comes through the music. And it's it, like you said, it's more genuine. It's something that the listeners can pick up on a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. Just with talking with a few other band members, um, while this podcast has been running, it seems like a lot of them put a lot of their emotion and personal experiences into music. And I think ultimately that just leads to better music. Yeah, I definitely agree. You can, you know, you, when you're listening to music, you can tell if a person is just like talking about stuff that they think, you know, pe either people want to hear or or conveys that they're this type of person, as opposed to just kind of like digging into who they are and, and you know, their thoughts and feelings and emotions. And um, yeah, I think especially with metal, I think that the metal scene, the metal audience is they're savvy. You know, it's not 
it's people who who actively listen. They're not, you know, I mean, obviously there's fans that are just going to put on an album and have in the background, but I think also a lot of people are like me and, um, you know, back in the day I'd, I'd buy a CD and I'd put it on and I'd put headphones on and I'd sit there with the book and I'd read every single lyric. And um, I think that there's a lot of people in, in metal who are the same way, who, who, you know, really dissect what they're listening to and what it's talking about and try to figure out what's going on, um, which I think is just awesome. I think one way you can measure that is just like the the pure amount of sales of like physical media that that metal still sees. I guess I can't really compare it to other music, but like going to shows, that's one of my favorite things to do is buy their album and look through the book and try try to meet the band so I can get everything signed. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. Yeah, I see it all the time. I get asked for CDs and tapes and everything at shows. And, you know, you you hear that these media are dead, but they're, you're at shows and, and that's what people want. And I'm the same way. When I go to a show, I I love buying um you know, physical media. I love getting, I mean, if I am just rolling in cash that day, vinyl or something like that, or a CD. And, um, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, it, that's, uh, you know, you're right though. I, I don't know if that's the same in other genres, but it, it absolutely is with, with metal. There's, you know, I think that the, there's a, a sense of community and I think a lot of the metal fans want to support their, their favorite bands and want to like see them succeed. And, and that's probably not the the same case for for punk. You know, with punk, you get called a sellout if you have a song that does well. And I feel like in metal, people are like, you know, hell yeah, I'm so happy for those guys. They deserve it. Interesting. So if if they're too popular in punk, it's not really received well. Oh yes, that is one of the silliest things in punk. It is. I don't. I don't get it. The minute a band does well, everyone hates them. And it's like, like right now, you know, everyone is just the punk world is so upset about the existence of MGK. And it's like, <laughs> look, man, this is just some guy who's just writing some pop punk, pop, pop, pop punk songs and doing really well. All he's going to do, even if you don't like his music, he's just going to make a bunch of people who wouldn't otherwise listen to our music, you know, listen to him and then be like, well, what else is down there? What, else, what inspired him to write this? And it's just going to lead them, you know, into more extreme bands. I mean, for every, you know, 10 offspring fans we're going to get at least a, a handful of people that are going to be like well why, why did the offspring write smash you know like what why is where, where did this sound come from i so yeah I, I think that you know we you should be we should be embracing those artists i mean it's it's awesome what they do for the scene you know like um a person like avril lavigne has done you know a lot more for punk rock than you know your favorite underground artist and i mean that's just a fact and it's um it's not celebrated at all it's it's you know if you like someone if you like a, a band that's been on the radio before in the punk world like you are you know the gatekeepers are not going to approve that's also strange strange considering like some of the um like kind of the origin of punk too it's kind of like like you guys kind of standing up for very liberal thoughts and some very i don't want to say anti-political because it's technically still political but you know what i mean yeah absolutely Things that kind of go against the grain and that should be changed it's like if you're putting those types of lyrics out you'd think you'd want more people to listen to it yeah a hundred percent yeah absolutely hmm. and you also said that avril lavigne did more for punk rock than like an un, like most underground artists i had no idea that i guess i guess it does make sense that she would be on like the punk rock side of things but it seems like it's just not hard enough Oh yeah, no. I mean, I I'm not gonna sit here and, and shit on her music. I don't I don't listen to it. I, I couldn't probably name a single song, but mm -hmm. um, you know, you you get people that listen to that. I mean, it's on the radio, it plays over and over again, and and it's punk rock adjacent. 
Um, it's just it's going to inspire people to want to find out what's next. You know, what's what's the little bit faster than that, a little bit heavier than that. Um, you know, uh, or or you know, uh, a band like Good Charlotte. They I don't I don't like that sound. I mean, that's not for me. But their influences are all over their sound. They're all over their shirts. Uh, they're all over their albums. So I mean, anyone that gets into Good Charlotte is probably going to at least get a taste of you know more hardcore punk that's that inspired them to write those songs i just you know it's you need a new influx of fans to keep these these scenes and these different genres healthy um they're going to die otherwise so these these bands that go commercial and and might not be as you know hardcore as, as someone wants them to be they're they're still useful they're still extremely helpful to especially to to artists you know like it just drives more people you know your favorite artist can't survive without a healthy fan base no doubt and like you mentioned good charlotte and like i'm not a fan of punk or anything down that realm necessarily not that i don't like it i just haven't experienced it really um but i know the band name and i and i've heard their music so that's huge yeah definitely like it's got lots of radio play and everything yeah like there's um um i forget who i i did not make this up someone else said it but they said that you know, Green Day is, is such a, a massive band, but but The Offspring did way more for punk than Green Day did. And it's true. You know, there's that Offspring kind of Southern California punk sound is you still hear it. It's still around. Um, those those, you know, Smash was huge. It was everywhere. It brought so many people in. So, you know, sometimes these bands seem like, you know, like the band that wrote pr pretty, uh, pretty fly for a white guy is shouldn't really be on anyone's radar but at the same time they are and you know i'm i'm thankful for it because it just brings you know more people to to our shows and um into our scene and and you know props it up keeps it alive well and you have to think too like a band that like the offspring that's been around for so long they're going to evolve and yeah more people might like it it might not be you but obviously they're still quite popular so they're being more they're becoming more accessible and like you said that just funnels them down the rabbit hole yeah. And you have it in metal too, you know, like, um, uh, bring me the horizon. I'm sure mm -hmm. that they're fans of, uh, you know, the early deathcore, MySpace deathcore sound hate what they sound like these days, but I mean, sh they're, they're playing stadium tours and writing songs with like Ed Sheeran, you know I mean? They're, they're bringing a ton of people into, into metal and it might not be your favorite thing, but if you're a metal head, you should be thankful that they exist. Exactly. And you have bands like say system of a down who I would consider yes. um, less metal than a lot of the stuff I listen to, but ultimately, and I think this is the same for quite a few other people. If they listen to that style of music first before kind of um, going down the metal rabbit hole. hundred percent. Yeah. They're, they're gateway bands that lead you into it and they're, you know, they're crucial. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for all of it. Like I've had a good ride. Um, I think mine started with new metal uh, pretty much. I mean, I heard Metallica, but I didn't really know what that was at the time. Mm hmm. And then later on, I got into, not even much later on, but I got into uh, new metal and that just snowballed. And here he's it. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I loved new metal as a kid. I mean, um, you know, Corn was the coolest. I saw Corn live a few times. That's, they were so loud. And I mean, Life is Peachy was, Life is Peachy Live is, is a heavy, awesome show. And it's, it's an experience too. So no, I'm, I'm right with you. The new metal from, well, actually, you know what? I feel like new metal these days does get a little bit of love that it deserves, which is which is cool. I, there's definitely a lot of bands that, you know, like to bring in that new metal kind of sound and almost like new metal meets Linkin Park. And um, 
that that's cool. You know, I, I like hearing that. I like hearing that influence. Yeah, I like the experimentation. Like um, things have to evolve, and it might not be my thing. But again, it, I'm happy that it's around and that it's bringing new fans to the genre, keeping things uh, exciting. Yeah, exactly. Looking at your cover for uh, Death Like a Sunset here, I was really intrigued. There's some, there's a lot of detail in it. How much involvement did you have with making that? Yeah, I do for the most part all the artwork. Um, okay, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's actually an old. I, I have the artist's name on there in the year. I think it's from 1919, and so I just kind of uh, took his idea and then just like kind of flipped it around. Um, joke me was it's kind of a, an amalgamation of a lot of my different influences. So I've, I've got, you know, straightforward grindcore. I've got a lot of, you know, melodic death in it. Um, I've heard a lot of people have told me it sounds kind of hardcore or, or hardcore punk. Um, so I kind of, you know, um, channel that for the, the cover. It's got, you know, a bunch of little scribbles. It's got half the things I have tattooed on my body or on that album cover, you know, things that influenced me when I was eight are on there. And um, it was actually a lot of fun to make. Yeah, some of the things that like stick out for me, um, and I don't know if these are like messages that are put into the cover or not, but I wanted to find out. Um, so there's like the yin yang, there's uh, the number 1984, uh, the state of Texas, um, a Game Boy, a really old cell phone. There's a, a bunch more, but those are some of the ones that I picked out first. Was there a reason that you included some of these other than just enjoying them when you were a kid? Or yeah, you know, I I the the yin yang is actually from um, the old uh, Nintendo game. Um, uh, Oh my God. Um, California surfing. What was the name? Or surf or die. Maybe it was the surf or die one or skate or die. It was from one skate of those. I remember a skate or die game. I'm not sure if it's the same one. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was from one of those games from back in the day. I, I, I grew up a huge, you know, video game nerd and, um, you know, I wanted to include basically everything that kind of got me to where I am today. And video games were a big part of it. Um, I've got, you know, uh, a lot of music stuff, a lot of, you know, organizing, you know, you have the off to the left, that's the international squatters logo. Um, there's the double cup underneath choke me. That's, that's a, a reference to lean drinking, which is a big thing down in Houston. It's the double styrofoam cup. Um, you've got interesting. Yeah. 84 uh, is that's uh, my birthday. Um, I just aged myself. So that's why that's on there. <laughs> I actually thought it was going to be more along the lines of the book. Oh yeah, so that was the idea of including it. But the reason I have that is because I, I put that together because at one point I thought it, I was going to get that tattooed on me. Then I was like, why would I let someone know that, like the year I was born plus my name? All of a sudden they've got too much info. I should probably chill this out. <laughs> Something that looks like football stitches. Is that what that is? Um, oh, you know just, what? I guess just up top uh, above the moon. Yeah, I see that. That that's actually part of the original design. That's part of of uh, his design. The, oh, cool. the, the person who put this uh, the, the original artwork together cool thanks for that rundown i appreciate it yeah so another question i have about like your art direction is um in both the hated and choke me you've stuck with mostly black and white with mostly mostly using color as like an accent um is there something you like specifically about that that look or is it just something that happened naturally i do i love that look if i could do every album cover black and white i would um I, I've been told that it's I, I can't. I've been told that it's too boring <laughs> and I I need to mix it up. But yeah, I I love that, you know, those old like power of violence album covers from the nineties. And um there's this uh, an artist out here in LA, his name's Tommy Wilson. He does incredible work. Um that's kind of similar to this stuff too. I actually have an, a new Twenty One Bricks album coming out uh, in about a month and he helped me with the artwork on that one. So 
um yeah i i i love that aesthetic and if i could i would i really would do every single album cover black and white but i i i guess i had to you know add a little bit of um variation here and there i, I like you know doing black and white and then having like you said like a, a color to stand out um the cannibals hated album cover i i, I love the way the the blood comes off on that I, I feel like the black and white really makes that blood stick out i was just gonna say that that's actually um one of my favorites for sure it looks great i appreciate that thank you i love the accent and it looks like he's bleeding from the eyes too that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah that was fun to make the um the artwork down there for um america was never great uh that's a really really talented artist i, I didn't do that his name is theo Thurday. okay uh, yeah he's all over instagram and facebook and he's a really talented artist and he takes commissions so if anyone's interested theo third day um t-h-i-r-d-a-y-e so a little shout out i'm actually just typing that out because i'm gonna look him up yeah he's pretty he's pretty great awesome and you mentioned I, that... oh so good no no go ahead i was gonna say I, I believe it's they are great actually i think i said that wrong you mentioned earlier that um you were coming out with a new album for 21 bricks yes so tell me a little bit more about that group and uh, what you kind of do musically. Yeah. So 21 Bricks, um, I mean, we I started with my wife um, and we it was just a project during uh, during the quarantine at first. I, I work in construction, so we were considered essential. So I, I never got to take any time off, but um, she did. And so at night I'd come home and, and you know, she'd be you know jumping through the walls and everything so we would uh just write music and start recording and at first it was just like a fun kind of you know cathartic release from the craziness going on in the world and i don't know you know she didn't think she could sing very well and could didn't think she could play bass very well and it turns out she can do both very well a lot better than i can and it's been a lot of fun exploring that we, we the the last one we released is called happy pills and just recently she was diagnosed with epilepsy and it kind of came out of nowhere, came out of left field. Um, so we talked about that a lot on happy pills and I think it helps both of us a lot to kind of, you know, process kind of what we were going through. It's, it's, you know, it's just a terrible thing that, that she's been put into. So um, happy pills is, I'm sorry, uh, 21 bricks is it allows us an outlet for that. And it's, it's all, a lot of fun too. Cause I, I, I do projects that, kind of fit into little subgenre buckets, I guess. And 21 Bricks doesn't. I mean, there's there's drum and bass, there's um, you know, hardcore punk, there's I guess like noise pop, um, you know, all in like one song sometimes. So uh it's it's cool. It's it's fun to get to share that with her. Um and it's also fun just to kind of get out of my box a little bit and do something different. Mm-hmm. How is it working with your wife in in the same three bands it's awesome um it's so much fun you know we I, i've been i've been you know married before it's actually my second my second marriage and so i i've had bad relationships in the past um which let me know just how good this one is and it's we're just um you know it's just so much fun being around each other she's my best friend that i've ever had and um so channeling just how much the fun energy and you know, the love and everything into the music is it's organic and comes really natural for us. And um, I, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've had worked with really talented musicians and sometimes it can be like pulling teeth to try to, you know, piece something together with them. 
Um, but it's never been that way with her. It just, it comes out so easy and, um, and uh, effortless. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's amazing what you can learn in a healthy relationship, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Jeez. I guess you, you learn a lot from the bad ones too, but um, yeah, God, when you get into a good one and finally figure out, you know, who you are and what kind of life you want to live, it it's, it's life-changing. I'll tell you what. Exactly. And then the communication opens the trusts. And like, in this case, um, you guys have that foundation where you kind of know where you both want to go musically and you're all on board for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we come from different places too. You know, I, um, she grew up in Louisiana. I grew up in Texas. And so we both have a lot of, uh, like hip hop, Southern rap influences. Um, but you know, why I'm more of like a metalhead, she's more of like a grunge and kind of hard rock person. So we've got, you know, you can kind of hear both on the songs, which I, I think is a, a cool mix. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just fun to to have a song, you know, just be all over the place, but still kind of kind of together and cohesive. And uh, we've yeah, we've been able to do that with with some of them. And it's it's just uh, it's incredibly rewarding. And how long have you guys been married for? We eloped uh, three years ago. Awesome. Congrats. No, thank you. Yeah. I know it's a little late, but that's okay. (laughs) No, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, we just did it just the two of us. So I have friends in my life that don't even know it. So it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to hear. You know what? Sometimes that's a little bit more important. Like it's not really about impressing everybody else. And I don't know how it is down in California, but as soon as anyone mentions the word like wedding up here, prices go up three times as much and you can't like, even if it's a small venue or a small group, it's like they want to charge you an arm and a leg just to show people how much you love each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's not worth it. It's, you know, you do this, this big event for everyone else and it goes by really fast. And, um, it, yeah, I, I, I don't know who came up with it, but it's just a terrible way to start your relationship with some government sanctioned document. I, uh, yeah, it, eloping was the best thing we ever did. We just, we, it was secret too. We just went and did it and didn't tell our parents or anything. And, um, it was, it made it just like private personal thing between the two of us. And it was, um, just such a different experience than my, my first time around. And obviously it's, uh, it's a better experience. Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah, just eloping is, is, is just fun. We, we actually went to Vegas and got married by uh, an Elvis impersonator and, um, it was, it was, ridic- so cool. yeah, it was, <laughs> it was ridiculous and fun. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. Awesome. I also find that a lot of people go into debt just to get married. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, why would you, a young person would want to do that to themselves? I don't, I don't get it. Neither do I. You're spending the rest of your life with this person. Why start it off with a, with a huge, like negative bank balance? Yeah. And I think even if you try to do it on a budget, you're still spending, you know, five figures. I mean, more money than you want to. Definitely. Tell me a little bit about Riot Ready, Riot Ready Records. Sorry, I fucked that up. Um, I'm assuming that you run the label. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I started it maybe like 10 years ago with some friends. Um, it was called Elector death records at the time, which is just a terrible name. Um, and now it's basically just me kind of running it and, um, I use it as a platform for my music, but I also, you know, put a lot of comps together and we raise money for different organizations, mostly local stuff. Um, like the neighborhood watch comp is, it was a lot of fun to make, uh, LA needs a riot. Uh, the fuck your walls comp. Uh, these are all, you know, we, we worked with organizations like uh, Defend Boyle Heights, which is like an anti-gentrification organization or uh, Rest for Resistance, which is 
a mental health organization that deals mostly with uh, people of color and black people. Um, and, uh, oh, the Positive uh, Prison Exchange Program, which is uh, a group that goes in and uh, brings dogs to prisons and teaches inmates if they want to, uh, how to learn how to train dogs, um, which is, you know, just humanizing and an experience that's like the most dehumanizing experience known to man. So it's, it's great in that, but also, you know, so I think a lot of people when they get out, um, uh, go and have a career in, in dog training, which especially in California, you can make a lot of money doing. No doubt. And I think it's important that uh, people who are incarcerated to have some sort of skill as when they get out or else you're just throwing them back to the wolves. It's like, if you guys actually want to do better for the country, yeah, punish them, but you got to make sure that they're, they're ready for society when they come back out. The yeah. Sad part is it's a business. Exactly. And then it says it's nothing about, I mean, really the, the recidivism rate is, you know, it's by design. They want it high. I mean, it's what we do in this country is just, it's just pathetic. I mean, we have, you know, like single digit uh, percentage of the global population. Yet I think we have 25% of the incarcerated population, global population, which is, I mean, what a, a, like a horrific stat and it's just it doesn't get talked about and or if if it does people just shrug it off like yeah well that's that's how we are you know we we arrest every we, we put everyone in prison we have mass shootings we don't take care of each other we don't have health care we have the worst immigration policies but that's just that's just how it is here in the states so what are you going to do about it and i i don't get that that's a big reason why i i, I i'm so involved in right ready is um that stuff just pisses me off and i I think there's a lot of people who don't think about that, especially people who, you know, casually listen to, to punk and metal. I think a lot of times they don't realize, you know, the origins of some of these genres and, and the intention of some of the artists that they, they love and listen to. And so I, I did kind of like with some of the music, I, I'm kind of in your face about that because I, I, I do want people to, to think about that and be aware of that and, and be aware that, you know, this isn't how it has to be. It doesn't have to be like this. We don't have to have this just garbage two-party system where everyone just cannibalizes each other. Um, it should be, you know, community. It should be uh, everyone fighting together, everyone trying to lift each other up. We're only, you know, we have this massive economy, yet we're trillions of dollars in debt. I mean, I mean, if, you want a failed an indication of a failed state. I mean, look at how much debt we have. If I was reading an article the other day, it was talking about if we sold every single piece of land, every single building, every company, I think we have like $55 trillion worth of companies, a hundred and something, 156 trillion for uh, if we sold every single asset, um, which obviously we could never do that. And we'd still have, you know, I think an additional, little less than a hundred trillion dollars of debt so we're i mean there you go there's all the evidence we need that that this isn't working that this didn't work that it, it failed the experiment failed that i mean i hate to be blunt but capitalism failed and uh i don't know i don't know why we can't just have that conversation but you know a lot of people act like you're speaking ill of their religion when you try to to critique something that's not right with our system and it is just wild to me I think the foundation, um, and this is coming from a Canadian perspective, but the foundation is pretty solid. They have good ideas. They have good ways of doing things. However, like you said, the two-party system kind of makes it seem, and we do have technically have more parties up here, but it's pretty much the same thing. Each party tries to undo what the other party does instead yeah. of working together co collaboratively to make things better for everybody. And 
there are definitely some things that need to be changed, but like I think a foundation that has a balance of different political systems would be way better than just like straight capitalism or straight socialism or whatever. Like, yeah, um, I think there needs to be a mix. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons why I enjoy metal so much is because they're not restricted by those boundaries. I know it's a, yeah. an interesting segue back to music, but I kind of feel the same way about both. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I definitely agree. I, um, yeah, you know, there's, uh, they do countless studies about, the most democratic countries to live in and it's constantly the most democratic countries are the ones that have a constitution or a you know bylaws running or whatever but it's the countries that have either torn theirs up and written a new one or the ones that have most recently written them it's usually those are the, the, the freest countries to live in and you know i'm not sure how it is in canada but here in the states there's a whole party that is dedicated to not changing anything to keeping everything exactly how it is to like leaning back and reaching back four or 300 years and being like what would those people say about this and it's like well those people have never heard of a cell phone or security or or, or you know online uh security things like that i, I don't know it trying to pretend like you can take words that were written 350 years ago by a bunch of 20 year olds and apply it to life today in my you know my opinion is just insane to further your point even the bible's been changed over the years yeah exactly <laughs> i don't see why constitutions can't it doesn't mean that they'll get worse like over time society's gotten better for the average person exponentially but there are some issues and some things that need updating of course like to say that we're perfect in in any nation in the world today is completely delusional yeah that's exactly right and it is like that um especially in this country it's perfect you know it's it's like we're like the the jesus christ of countries or something you know everything is is infallible and it's perfect and therefore nothing will ever need to be changed and it is you know and, and anyone that has that mentality you could have a conversation with them and get them to agree with tons of things that they'd want to have changed but then at the end of the day they're going to vote the way they're going to vote and they're going to just want to win. And I, uh, I don't know, it's ripping apart the the world. It's ripping apart all these, these Western democracies. Yeah. And that's a problem again with the different party system is that you have, uh, you have people essentially voting for figureheads instead of like things that they believe in. So yes, something that I see people get trapped in and my friends and family included, like, um, they will vote for say the liberals or the conservatives because some of their views match those. But I'm like, even though I technically identify as a conservative, I have a lot of forward thinking views and I'm like, I can't vote for certain people just because they're on that side of the spectrum. Like I have to see what matches the most to my personal feelings. Absolutely. hundred percent. But it's strange how people are just willing to accept like the, the party line in either regard. Like to me, I just think right now there's, a, there's too much dirty money in politics. And until yes. like our prime minister says, follow the money until they do that. Uh, I, I don't think there's any, solution uh yeah 100 i mean everyone just wants to enrich themselves and um yeah at the the cost of the rest of us it's yeah i 100 I, I agree there's no segue to this but something that i think kind of loops into this uh, like social media and all that kind of stuff that's obviously something that's fueling fires um both your bands are quite limited in social media as well. Is that something that you avoid um, kind of because it makes sense with the message or is it just coincidental? Yeah, you know, I, I don't um, I just don't want to have to spend all my time on um, these social media sites. I just hate them. I, I've got, you know, Facebook pages set up and I, I actually just kind of finally gave in and caved and started to choke me Instagram page. But other than that, 
I've really just kind of lived through the Riot Ready Instagram page and um, tried to promote as best as I can from there. I, I, you know, I know that I'm being kind of short-sighted and and myopic with, with that approach. So I, I do I try to to advertise as much as I can online and get out there and connect with people. Um, but I I just for like my own sanity and my own mental health, I just can't be on the 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 Instagram and and TikTok and everything all day long. It it just you know it's not. I guess it's because I'm older too. Um, it just kind of drives me crazy. I don't know if it would be short sighted necessarily. Like obviously, you're not going to get the same kind of exposure if you're not on social media. But you're spending more time doing things that you find are important. And like for me, one of the best things I ever did was get off of Facebook personally. Now I use social media specifically for the podcast and nothing else because I fucking hate it. <laughs> I, I do the same thing. I don't. I haven't done anything on my personal pages in probably ten years. Um, it's just yeah, just the the bare minimum for my for my band pages, and um, even that much is is like you know, like uh, pulling teeth. I think it really struck me hard when I was like, I've had this Facebook page since I was eighteen or seventeen or something. Like this is ridiculous, and. Like all my friends are spending time on it. You're you're engaging in chats, uh, people against people you don't even fucking know. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people love to go on there and just fight with people. I I don't I don't get that. You know, I've been around friends while they're doing that, and they'll get off, and they're still in that like mode. They're still fighting. You know, and then mm -hmm. it it yeah. I, I think it changes you a little bit. It changes your chemistry. It makes it harder for you to even talk to people. I um yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I've had a lot of friends and family that have kind of gone down that, um, you know, like I, I feel like when I'm talking to them, I'm talking to like the Twitter response to something that I would have read online. And it's uh, it's frustrating. Yeah, I, I it's definitely I think it's made it harder for people to kind of formulate their own opinions. It's almost like the one true gospel these days. And that's not how it should be. Yeah, especially with something like Twitter where you can't really explain yourself. I think it's what 140 characters. So yeah. good luck getting a thought across. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So other than like world worldwide accessibility for bands, um, can you think of any other benefits that social media could provide to up and coming musicians? Um, I it you know the the what I get the most out of it is um. I think it's so cool when some fan will just like write something on, you know, a song I share or send me a message and talk about, you know, the way this song hit them or, you know, they like this or they hate this, you know, I mean, I, I, I love being able to connect with, with actual real people that are actually listening to the music. You know, you can, anyone that writes and records music probably can relate to this. Your friends and family probably aren't going to listen to your stuff. Um, so it's, it's, you know, you have these strangers out there that spend more time and care more about, you know, something that you put your entire heart and soul into, and it's really cool to connect with them. And it, it makes it a lot, a lot of fun. Um, so I, I, you know, I love that. I think that aspect is awesome. And, um, all the negatives, all of the, you know, the negatives in the world can't, can't downplay that. So I, I do think it allows people to, to stay in, in, you know, communication with their, their fan base. And that's, pretty cool yeah i think that accessibility for um like for me is one of the biggest things i've been able to touch base with all of my guests through social media and it's been quite incredible i don't think i would have had that experience otherwise yeah definitely can you think of any like downfalls of social media like obviously there are a lot but when it comes specifically to being in a band 
Um, you know, I've, I've written music with friends before who think that it's like 5% the music, 95% how you market it on social media. And, you know, there's probably a lot of truth to that, but I think that's a, a really shitty way to approach any kind of art or any medium like that. I think you should, you know, the music should be first. You should, you know, any, anything else as far as promoting it on your your social media sites i think that should be secondary and um you know and, and that's the the most success or a lot of the successful bands out there they don't do it that way they they are creating content for their social media sites and that's smart that's really smart i should do that more um but i also think you can do that too much and it can pull you away from just having fun and just writing music and you're sitting there thinking how can i market this how, you know how can i um create a cool image that i can put on on TikTok with this and so i i you know to each their own more power to you but i i do think you can do it too much and uh put too much focus on that but that also could just be you know my old ass being a old curmudgeon so i'm not too sure <laughs> i kind of feel the same way like um it seems like a lot of bands are trying to brand themselves and yeah. i love the band behemoth but to me, it's gotten to the point where I'm like, I can't buy anything else because I, I bought a few shirts and then all of a sudden my closet was like partway full with behemoth shirts. I'm like, fuck, I want different bands too. <laughs> Even though I love the product, I've steered away from that specifically because they put out so much. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I I, I love behemoth as well. Basically, um, wrapping everything up here, if people are looking to get uh, your music, where is the best place for them to find it for you? Yeah, you know, you could go to riotready.bandcamp.com. Um, everything, every, you know, album we talked about, um, everything I've ever written is on that page and you can download it for free. Uh, so that would be a good place to start. If you just want to stream, um, pretty much every album's on YouTube. Um, you know, every album is pretty much on Spotify, unfortunately. Um, I don't, I don't expect to make money from any of this. So if your way of consuming music is Spotify and feeding that that machine that monster then you know that's fine um my stuff's out there and I'd, I'd be honored if you listen to it so you you can pretty much find me everywhere um if you want to download it though don't go spend money on one of those sites just go to my van camp and download it for free that's a really cool way to put your music out i don't know a lot of bands that just offer everything for free yeah you know i'd, I'd much rather have a few additional people listen to what i'm making than try to make a couple of bucks so i i'm not doing this to be make a whole lot of money and and be some big rich famous person because that's not going to happen anyway um so i'd much rather just um like for, at the end of the day i i think the coolest thing in the world is to stand on a stage and have you know play a song and have the people in the crowd know the song and and want to you know run around and and sing the lyrics and even if it's four people it's extremely rewarding and a lot more rewarding than getting some kind of PayPal notification for Bandcamp that someone downloaded my album and, you know, gave me 10 bucks or whatever. That's really cool. Wesley, thank you so much for joining me today. You're very down to earth. I enjoyed our chat. Jeff, I really appreciate it. This is really cool. And um, yeah, I, I had a great time. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.